Hey, what's going on? Jess, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing pretty great today. I cannot complain. Um, I'm happy to have you on. I'm excited for us to do this. We've been, you know, in talks for what, a couple of weeks now. So um, yeah. since I heard you on AIDS podcast, shout out AID. Um, you guys did a great podcast together and I I like immediately texted her and I was like, Hey, do you care if uh, I interview Jess as well at some point? And she was like, go for it. You know, just we'll space them out. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'm excited to have you on. Um, I, I love, I love your page as a whole that you've started. Um, and I just like what it stands for. You know, um, I'm big into the festivals and I'm big into the raving community. And I do think that, party and safe is such an important uh aspect of it and it's not talked about as much um you know totally whether it's as a community or even within like groups of just your friends i feel like it's not mm -hmm. talked about as much i feel like i'm the friend that's talking about it <laughs> maybe my friends get annoyed at that but <laughs> everyone, everyone i've ever brought into raving you know i've had since i've been introduced i've had tons of new friends and and their friends come and I'm always like, quote unquote, you know, they're, they're rave dad or, or something mm -hmm. that I get labeled as, but I've always preached being safe with it and, and being good with your, your drug use. If they do that, um, you know, and not everyone does for starters, <laughs> I don't want mm -hmm. to label like everyone does it, but, but I always make sure of, of saying that if they do do it, be safe with it. There's right and wrong ways to do it. And, yeah, I feel like I'm a real harper on it. So I'm really excited to have you on. I don't I haven't got to talk about this subject that much yet. Um, but I'm excited to have you on. Yeah, I always say that, like you said that your, you know, your, your friends might find you annoying, but <laughs> I think it's better to be annoying up front. And like, some, maybe some people call you like a party pooper, but like, it's better to be a party pooper than to like, have something happen to one of your friends and that's going to be the real party pooper or something like tragic happens. So yeah. better yeah. to be safe up front. And you know, and, if your friends get annoyed with it, yeah. they will thank you later. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and those that do know me close with that, I've had it happen where it went very wrong with a friend. And yeah. that's why I just, and I mean, I mean, I even preached it back then, but I, I, he was a very close friend and I didn't think it would go that way. And, it's a long story. I've told it on uh, my other podcast with Aid. I've told it on Festival Tales before. I don't want to go into repeats here. But um, yeah, I've had it where it goes severely wrong. And that's something I don't wish on anybody. I mean, mm -hmm. God, that was just, you know, talk about something that scares the scares you to death, really. Um, and definitely... <laughs> Not, you know, to make a joke, it definitely takes the mood out of the weekend. <laughs> your, your, yeah. your festival weekend is pretty much done after that. You don't even want to think about it. Uh, right. So, yeah, it's <laughs> better to be safe than sorry, no doubt about mm -hmm. it. Um, how did you come up with the idea of starting your page? What was, what was the inspiration behind it? I mean, let's start with that. Yeah, so I was, you know, I was bored during uh, quarantine. I started it back, I think I, so I started on TikTok. Um, I, that's where like most of my following is. I have like 80,000 followers on TikTok. Um, and, yeah, and so, yeah, oh yeah, the Instagram came way later. <laughs> that's so funny because um, I only know you from Instagram. I didn't even <laughs> see you on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm i terrible. I'm terrible at Instagram, to be totally honest. 
<laughs> I don't even know. Like I'm, I'm happy with, I've, I've got like maybe like 260 followers. I'm happy with that, how I'm doing there. But well, yeah. With uh, not to get off on a tangent, but with reels now, you've got a good opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I'll send it to you. There's a watermark remover that you can get where it removes your watermark from TikTok. Good to know. Your reels, so you can start reposting your reels, and maybe you'll blow up on on Instagram now. Yeah, I have post reposted a few for my TikTok, but they do have like the the watermark on it, so I'll have to look yeah. into that. I swear, um, Instagram kind of sees that, and they don't they don't allow that algorithm. Ooh, maybe. Work. I swear about it. Possible. I mean, maybe I'm you know conspiracy over here, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry not to cut you off. So no, it's fine. Start on TikTok. Yep. Yeah. Started on TikTok um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I was just kind of bored and I downloaded TikTok. I thought it was stupid, but you know, typical millennial thought it was like stupid before actually like knowing what it was and then like quickly got very addicted to it. But then I also sort of realized what a great platform it is for education. And I was sort of lacking that part of my life. Like I, I do a lot of volunteering at festivals. Um, like I'm always at festivals. I usually volunteer at a bunch of festivals and raves. So I'm doing it like all year round. So I was really missing that part of my life. And um, I, I still wanted to give back to the community because um, that's a big part of who I am. So when I realized what a great platform for edu- educating uh, TikTok is, Um, I also realized there really weren't that many harm reduction educators on TikTok and there weren't any that centered partying and nightlife and raving. So I was like, this is a really great opportunity. Uh, Like I said, I'm typically really bad at social media. So I had a lot of like self-doubt in doing it, but, um, you know, I just went for it. Um, Didn't really think anything would come of it. Um, and then one of my videos just blew up and TikTok is really like, it's got like that virality. So it shows your content kind of like reels on Instagram. Like it yeah. shows your content to people who aren't following you. Um, if it sort of, you know, if it goes with their algorithm. So I got like 2.6 million views on one video about using fentanyl test strips and I had like 15,000 viewers or uh, followers overnight. Um, oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah, that's, and that's a difference between TikTok and Instagram. I don't really think that kind of stuff happens on Instagram. Yeah, um, not anymore. I, I, no. Definitely not anymore at all. Yeah, and so. That's the appeal to TikTok is that you can't exactly. go viral overnight with just one video. <laughs> right, exactly. So, and yeah, I've seen people get even bigger followings after just one video. Um, but I feel like I kind of cracked the code with Instagram because I have sort or I'm sorry, with TikTok, cause I kind of have like a niche. So people saw that video and they were like, oh, well, like this is the kind of content that she posts and I'm really interested in harm reduction. So I'm gonna follow her. Like it can kind of go either way, depending on your page. Like if, if you have sort of like a, a page where it's just like a personal thing, you're just posting things for fun. Um, and you have a video that goes viral, like you might not get as many followers, but if you have a niche and people are like, oh, that's what I'm interested in. You can really like your follower count can just go up exponentially with like one viral video. So anyway, that's what happened to me. Um, and I was shocked and I was like, all right, well, I guess this is like, people are interested in this. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And 
that was a year ago and now I have 80,000 followers <laughs> and an Instagram, which is, it's, it's doing all right. <laughs> I mean, it, it is just crazy that the algorithm on TikTok is so scary. You mentioned like, oh, it's a, it's addictive. Yeah. I mean, like I've been sucked into it. You're like, it's showing you things that you didn't even know that you liked. You're like, I, I do like this. What is going on? <laughs> like, and it knows you so well, like scarily well. Like yeah, how, I, sometimes these videos come up and I'm like, how did they know that? Like, I didn't even, they're like thinking things for me before I even thought them. <laughs> I, I, I do agree. It's got something where it like, it can connect the dots. Like, oh, you like this, 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 and this. Well, mm-hmm. then you'll probably like this. And you're like, I've never watched this video or anything like this in my life, but I do yeah. like it. Like, what's going on? Yeah, it's yep. crazy in the way it does that. Um, I know, I do know it has like, there were a bunch of reports coming out at the beginning that TikTok was some backdoor thing and for your data and it does. Yeah. For the first Aren't time. Aren't they today, all though? <laughs> they definitely all are. Like, well, for the first <laughs> time today on my, what is on my iPhone, I got asked like, Will you, will you allow TikTok to track you on other apps? And I was like, no, I don't want. I don't want that. Yeah. But it was the yeah. first time. I mean, I've had that. I know Apple. Apple for some reason tends to be really good with their security and, and mm-hmm. making apps not uh, share your data as much. I know they might have just came out with something new on their iOS 14, but other than that, I mean, it was. It's throwing me things like you said, throwing stuff. You're like, what the hell? I do. I, I know. I, I just this. I. <laughs> I kind of figure like at this point, I'm sure someone has my data. Like I, I just, I find it hard to care because does it, like it matters, but also it doesn't matter because it's probably already happened, you know? I, I totally agree with that. I also <laughs> think, I also think you can just do very like small things to throw off those algorithms because the algorithms aren't, you know, they're not a do all tell. They really aren't. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, they tell a lot. Sure. But like, if you just do one thing out of the blue, it's going to throw the whole algorithm off, you know, for at least a couple of weeks or so. Mm-hmm. I know for me, like I'll get ads on, I'll get ads on Hulu all the time. Right. And I get, and they've, now they've got it. We're like, Hey, let's, you can pick from one of these ads, these customizable ads. Oh yeah. You're going to like most. And I just, uh, for that, I just never pick. I just let it, it's always on the first one. It's always the first one. Yep. So it's like, all right, they'll never know. They'll never really know which one I want to do. Exactly. And um, what is it with like, with TikTok, like every once in a while, I'll just like search something absolutely random. Like just has nothing to do with what's on my For You page. <laughs> and I'm like, there you go, do something with that. Like, I know for, um, for my actual job, I looked up some like construction things just to get an idea for my job. <laughs> and then of course, the uh, next time I go on TikTok to watch the videos I like, I've got some construction stuff and I just swap right past it. And the thing's probably like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. I mean, there's there's definitely things you can do to mitigate how accurate it is. And, um, you know, you, you the beauty of it is though you do for TikTok at least it very much highlights that you feed the algorithm. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. you like and you comment on and you stay on, you know, you view the longest is what it's going to show you. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's weird because the other apps don't really like they do that, but they don't do it to where it's as noticeable. Like it's not the main feature. 
Correct. Like yeah. Instagram yeah. has the explore page, which is, yeah, it's pretty accurate. I guess it pulls in from like who you follow and what kind of tags you use and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But that's not the main draw of the app. The main draw is like your people that you follow and seeing their content. Whereas I feel like I, it, it's a, it's, that's the actually a benefit and a drawback of being a creator on TikTok rather than Instagram. Um, at least personally, and I, I think it's probably the same for most people, is that I more often look at my for you page than like my follower. Like there's a there's like a followers page and then a for you page, um, which is just like you know the algorithm. Yeah. yeah. And then you have like your follower fo- or following page where it only shows you people that you're following. And so I look at the for you page more than my following page. Sometimes I'll, I'll look at my following page like sometimes, but um, definitely more often the for you page. So I think that's like the main and it feature for you page too. So I, I, like, yeah. I know exactly. I don't ever look at the follow. I have a few, I have like 20 people I follow. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, so that's kind of like, why it's a, it's a drawback to be a creator on TikTok. I think advertisers, not that I'm, not that I'm doing it like for like, like money or anything. Right. I'm doing Just, it yeah. because I, because I love it. But like, I think if you were trying to monetize your platform, I think it's harder on TikTok because your followers are going to be less likely to see your content than on a platform like Instagram. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I totally get what you're saying. You have the, bigger potential to explode but yet you're falling right. yeah yeah absolutely i see what you're saying mm-hmm. yeah it's they're they're interesting those i mean <laughs> they're taking over for sure those tech companies no doubt about it yeah <laughs> um we got a little off topic there but um we we've we're talking about drug safety that's your that's what you like to talk about and mm-hmm. i don't want to touch on it too long but what's some basic, basic tips for just drug safety at festivals? So uh, the number one thing that I always tell people that I'm all about is testing your drugs. Um, Because we do not have a regulated supply, your drugs could be anything. And that includes if you're getting your drugs from someone you trust. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have tested someone's drugs and they're like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Like, I got it from my guy, you know, I, he's always good. And it like ended up not being what they thought it was, or there was, you know, something sketchy in it. Um, and now, especially with, uh, fentanyl being a big problem, it's so, so, so important to test your drugs, um, with a reagent test kit and a fentanyl test strips. Um, the second thing I would say, honestly, just staying hydrated, um, but not overhydrating. Um, high, you know, we need water for life and for energy. And you, of course, yeah, yeah. So oh, I, I just <laughs> so basic, but yes, yeah, agreed. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, honestly, a lot of this is just like basic, f- like functioning and like just taking care of yourself because a lot of the times, um, if people like always scoff at me when I say this, but like a lot of the times it's not the drug itself that's dangerous. It's other things that are going on. So like the environment or just the fact that, um, you know, the, the war on drugs 
itself mm-hmm. makes drugs dangerous um, because, you know, if we didn't have the war on drugs, we might have a regulated supply. Um, and yeah, so, and then like what's going on in your body, how you're treating your body. So all those factors can make a drug experience dangerous. It's usually not the drug itself. It's how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard, and I guess another uh, tip would be making sure that you're going uh, low and slow. So, um, t- you know, taking your time, uh, taking a low dose uh, just to see how your body reacts to it yeah. and not redosing if like you don't feel anything immediately. Um, you can like, like that rush people out that, that yeah. want that rocket to the moon versus like this consistency, you know, yep. I, however you want to phrase it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, totally. I, I've seen times I've seen that before for sure. Where oh, I just not feeling it. Let me just take a lot real quick. And yeah. And yeah, they're, or they're chasing. I think the main thing I, I've seen and you probably, so you've seen yourself is people chasing mm-hmm. that chasing the high that they maybe once originally mm. had or something they oh i felt this way this time so i want to get that exact same feeling again and that's something you gotta you know all everyone should know from the get-go is what it just you'll never have <laughs> the same yeah. feeling. you just never will you might mm-hmm. come close to it but you'll never you'll never be able to recreate what you know what it was i guess Yeah, exactly. Um, A lot of drugs, well, especially if you're using them repeatedly, um, so you'll have your tolerance will go down. But even if you're spacing it out, uh, sometimes you you just never will get that same feeling again. And I agree, a lot of people chase it. And that can, you know, sometimes lead to addiction problems. Um, But, you know, less severe for... um, you know, it, you know, say someone's just the only time they use is like at a festival um, that can still cause problems. Because, like, for example, with MDMA, um, you can lose the magic really quickly, um, especially if you're taking it frequently. Like a, a lot of people will take them multiple days in a row at a festival or if they're going to like a festival every month um, and taking it for like like every month during the summer, even that, and you're, and even if you're not taking it like during the winter time or the off season, like you can still lose the magic um, from taking MDMA like that. Absolutely. Now I've got a question because you bring up MDMA. Mm-hmm. I, I always hear about five HTP. Five HTP is gonna oh, you just take it after you feel better. Yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about five HTP. What? Do you know by chance what exactly that does? Is it really that beneficial? You know, because some people make it seem like it's, oh, it's going to fix everything. Like, and I, I, I have no idea. So I'm not, I don't want to speak on it. <laughs> but if you have any knowledge, I'd love to talk about that. Because that's something I think, I'm, like I said, people probably heard of it too, if I've heard of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's, first of all, it's not going to solve everything, especially if you are, a frequent user and you're taking really high doses like it's not it's not gonna be your savior i'm sorry to say <laughs> um what it what it is i believe is 
a it's a precursor to serotonin. So people think that like if they t- they take it, it's gonna like just rebuild up all of their serotonin, and it might assist with that a bit. A lot of what we know about harm reduction is like very anecdotal. So like we're kind of just going off like the best that we can do. I don't know if there's I I doubt that there's been any actual like studies testing Mm -hmm. using uh, 5-HTP after MDMA Um, and if there have been then I don't I haven't heard of any and I think that I would have by now if like there actually was something out there about it but um, yeah long story short it's not going to be your savior but I also don't think it's going to hurt you to take it Um, as long as you're waiting 24 hours after you rolled um, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I think it might help a little bit. I don't know for sure. It might just be a placebo effect also. Um, but you know, re- regardless, um, if it helps, it helps. And, um, it's just not going to be, it's just not going to fix every so question. Problem. You said take it 24 hours after why, why is that? So that's another thing that's like, I don't know, like in the harm reduction community, I've, I've seen people like ask that question a lot of times and I've never like seen an answer. I think that it has something to do with the potential to cause serotonin syndrome. Um, but I don't think that there's, like I said, any actual like evidence of that. Um, I know people who have taken it and have gotten like really bad headaches or taken it like less than 24 hours, like the morning after, and I've gotten like really bad headaches um, and stuff like that. I don't know anyone, yeah. I don't know anyone that had serotonin syndrome in general, but um, I've definitely never heard of anyone um, getting serotonin syndrome from that. But I think there is some concern about that. So yeah. um, the, the headache just, thing like, I have heard of, funny enough yeah. to mention that. And it, now mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because so I know like on the bottles, because 5-HP, you can just buy at the store. You can just yeah. buy it at Walmart. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know on the bottle, it says to take two capsules and any possible side effects would be headaches and nausea and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now I've had friends, uh, I've actually taken it once, but I broke it up. I took only one at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one when I ate, another one when I ate dinner later that night and had no problems. But I have absolutely heard of the headaches thing and like bad headaches by taking two right away or something. So that's funny yeah. you mentioned that. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, almost everyone I know that uses, like that is the one supplement that I think most people who use Molly use. Mm-hmm. Um, there are others that are, there, there's a really good, if there's a website called rollsafe.org um, and this website gives like pretty much everything you need to know about taking MDMA. It's a really great resource. Um, they have a MDMA supplement regimen, like down to the minute of like when you need to take everything pre-roll and post-roll. So there are a lot of different supplements that you can take. I don't know. I, again, I don't think any of these have actually been studied, but um, I I trust this website um, because I, I am familiar with that one of the contributors of the website. So um, I definitely trust it. And I don't think that they would put anything on there that would hurt anyone. So the bottom line is like, uh, yeah, sure. Take these things. They might not help, but I don't think that they're gonna like, or uh, yeah, yeah. It's not going to hurt either. So um, you might as well. 
and just regular vitamins and yeah. make taking an emergency and getting your body replenished is also going to help getting, hot, yeah. getting rehydrated, eating, you know, all that stuff is going to play a significant role in helping reduce it. Go exercise. And that's mm-hmm. one of the big things yes. um, I've noticed uh, it was exercise. I mean, it's, it's like magic. I mean, <laughs> not mm-hmm. in a sense of just sweating and getting, getting those endorphins moving and get your body back into this, moving state rather you know i don't know for everyone but that's something i certainly feel better after a festival sometimes i'll go exercise and exercise mm-hmm. hard and i'm sweating and i'm like oh i'm feeling good i'm feeling good so hard to go do that i know that <laughs> the motivation sometimes for people yeah. isn't there. but um definitely something well, I, I enjoy so. well that's why i always say like it it is so important to get enough sleep at festivals because you will feel that much better. Like I know, I know, like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Like, (laughs) of course, like everybody, like in theory wants to get sleep at festivals, but like who actually does that? But I still, I think it's really important for people to know that like, that is one of the most important things you can do as well. Um, A lot of the times, you know, when people come home from the festival and they have like, you know, they're, they say that they're like hungover, they have like a come down. A lot of the times that's not actually from, or you know, sometimes it's not from the drugs, it's actually from sleep deprivation. So like oh, okay. you will feel that much better after a festival if you get enough sleep and then like, you, like you'll be able to, you know, maybe get some motivation to work out and that'll make you feel even better. Um, and then I also always recommend like during the festival stretching or like participating in some of those yoga classes that they sometimes have, um, just to keep the body moving, keep the body like, you know, loosen it up and make sure that you're stretching so that you don't get any injuries because you're literally like walking around and dancing for like hours. So that's important as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned on like your first thing to circle back a little bit, drug testing was, you mentioned fentanyl, you mentioned mm-hmm. that, and, and we all have heard of it. We've all heard of, you know, the, the, uh, what is it? The DEA or, uh, or the ICE confiscating, not ICE, that's not it, but DEA <laughs> confiscating, you know, yeah. X amount of fentanyl from somebody other mm-hmm. and, and the effects of it and what it can do. Um, what, what are some of the things to guess to look out for, to pay attention to? And, and overall, let's just talk about what, you know, the good, the bad parts of fentanyl and what it can mm-hmm. do to people and why we should sure. be wary of it. So, so backing up a little bit, um, I know you said that everyone's heard about it, but just in case, um, if oh, somebody yeah. hasn't heard about it, um, fentanyl is a synthetic opioid Um, It actually can be prescribed um, for really, really severe pain, Uh, but a lot of it, especially the stuff that's on the black market, is made illicitly, Um, and it is very, very potent. It is, I think, 50 times more potent than heroin, Um, so it is is very, very powerful, and um, as you can imagine, for someone who doesn't have an opioid tolerance, it is very easy for them to overdose. And it doesn't take that much, only like a few grains of like sand to, for someone to potentially overdose on fentanyl. Um, so when sort of the fentanyl, fentanyl sort of started appearing more on the black market, it was only really showing up in other opioids like heroin and pills. 
but now we have a problem where it is showing up in cocaine and other party drugs. And the problem with this, like I said before, um, a lot of people who use uh, like stimulants or um, other types of party drugs usually are most of the, I feel like usually they don't have an opioid tolerance. I don't want to speak absolutely because sometimes that is the case, but um, a lot of the times they don't. So um, if you don't have an opioid tolerance, that you're it's going to be really easy to overdose on fentanyl and um, and and die. So um, as I said before, there are test strips that detect the presence of fentanyl. And we need these. So maybe people have heard of the reagent test kits like from DanceSafe or Bunk Police where um, they're like little chemicals and you drop stuff on like a little sample. The test strips are different. Um, and these are needed because with the reagent test kits, uh, they do not, they only detect like usually what drug is the most prevalent in the sample. So like if you've got something that's like, 80% molly and like 20% meth or something. Really only the molly is going to show up. You're not really, you probably won't be able to tell that there's meth in there at all. Um, and with fentanyl, because it is so potent and such a small amount can be lethal, a reagent test kit is not going to be able to detect a lethal dose of, of fentanyl um, in in any type of drug. So we need these test strips because they are very, very sensitive and good at picking up and detecting fentanyl in a sample. Um, but because of that, we have to test the entire sample of whatever we're gonna be consuming. And that involves putting all of your drugs in water. And a lot of people don't like to hear that because who wants to put their drugs in water? But that is the most effective way to be able to tell if there's fentanyl in your drugs. Um, there is another way to do it, um, and that is just testing the residue that's stuck to the inside of the bag. And this is the way that we test it in the field because we obviously can't put people's drugs in water because, um, let me back up, the way that you get the water out is to evaporate it. So you have to wait. Um, essentially, if you're going to be testing it the way with um, testing the whole sample, right. you have to like just leave it out and like wait for the water to, erop to evaporate. So you kind of have to like plan ahead with that. But we can't do that at festivals. So we test the baggy residue. Um, I don't, I, I, as far as I know, it is still an effective method. It's definitely better than not testing at all. So, um, you know, if you have concerns about like, putting all of your drugs in water, you can do that. It's just not going to be as reliable. Um, so, so yeah, so that we, at DanceSafe, we've been selling lots of uh, fennel test strips and, and really encouraging people to use them as much as possible. So how do these strips work? I'm sorry. So you, you take a baggie with residue, whatever the person has, you mm -hmm. put water in the baggie? Yeah. Go ahead. You go ahead. And explain. Yeah, I'm no, no. So you, you got it right. So um, you basically, you put your whatever drug in another container so that you have the original bag, you put water in the original bag, and then you take the test strip, you dip it in until you see water, 
water gets pulled up by capillary action. So you'll kind of, kind of like a paper towel, how it kind of just like, you see it like rising. It's the same principle. So um, you'll see the water being pulled up and then you wait about a minute for results. And then one line means that the strip did detect fentanyl. So it was positive. Um, and two lines means that it did not detect fentanyl. So negative. The opposite of a pregnancy test, apparently. People, people always can't. Whenever I post about fentanyl tests <laughs> on, on on TikTok, they're like, "Wait, this is so confusing. It's the opposite of a pregnancy test." <laughs> so just so people are aware, it is, it, if so you never use, yeah. <laughs> That's the immediate comparison. Oh my goodness, that's hysterical. <laughs> but it is. So the so the test strips actually were originally designed to be used with urine drug screens. So I guess you know people would pee in a cup and then they would dip the the test strip into the cup and um same principle so um and then and then they start you know fentanyl started becoming more and more of a problem and i think they repurposed them for this gotcha that makes sense. yeah now what what are they typically cutting and putting fentanyl into now is that so um so cutting implies that it is intentional. Um, and we don't actually know if it's intentional. Um, so I just like to say that it's contaminated rather than it's cut with something. Um, because it, like I said, we don't know, we don't know how it's getting into the drug supply, especially with drugs, uh, to answer your question, like cocaine, MDMA, pretty much everything, like anything has a chance of having fentanyl in it. Um, And, you know, people are always like, well, why? Like, why would someone put a drug that could kill someone or a drug that has such an opposite effect uh, from what, you know, what the original drug, like with cocaine, like cocaine's a stimulant. Why are they putting an opioid in a stimulant? They have such opposite effects. Um, and like I said, we don't know for sure, but there are a few theories. And I think the most plausible theory is that when people are distributing and packaging certain drugs, oftentimes they will be doing multiple different kinds of drugs. Um, and so if they are using the same equipment to package, like say they have a scale and they're putting the drugs directly on the scale and then they don't clean it afterwards. There might be a few little crumbs left over on that like unintentionally improperly cleaned equipment. And that could be how it's getting in there. Um, so I, th- I personally think that that is the most plausible theory that it's just accidental cross contamination. Um, but there are a few other theories. So um, one of them is that they're using it to stretch out the product. So obviously cocaine is a pretty expensive drug. And honestly, it is maybe besides heroin, probably one of the most cut, uh, now I'm using contaminated drugs that I have ever tested. Like, I don't think I have ever tested pure cocaine and I've done a lot of tests in the field. Um, So people think that they might be using it to stretch out the product because fentanyl is really cheap and really potent. Um, so that increases the weight without much additional cost. Um, and then the other theory that I've heard people say is that they're using it to get their customers hooked and coming back for more since, um, fentanyl is 
even more addictive than cocaine. I just, I don't see how either of those theories make sense because if they're intentionally doing it, like they have to know that like a people, a lot of people who are buying cocaine probably don't have an opioid tolerance and they might be killing their customers. And then also who's going to go to that person anymore if they heard that someone OD'd from their stash. So I just, I just don't see why it would be an intentional thing. I, I really think that it's just an accidental thing that's happening, unfortunately. Very interesting. Yeah, th- those are interesting theories. I, mm-hmm. I, I would definitely lean toward the one where, you, where they're look, doing it to cut costs and stretch out mm-hmm. the product. I mean, I'm sure they've done that in the past with multiple other ways, you know, with other things. That wouldn't surprise me. But I yeah. always would rather give people the benefit of the doubt. And hopefully it's it's um, accidental. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, the bottom line is it's happening. And um, if you look at sort of the, the graph of uh, cocaine overdoses, and then this is on, I think, the NIDA website, um, there's like a, there's a graph and it has cocaine overdoses and then there's a line where it has any cocaine overdose that also had a synthetic opioid in the person's system. And that has just skyrocketed in the past few years. So um, it is happening. I don't think it's it's happening on as much of a scale with other drugs like MDMA and like ketamine. I I think it is happening a lot with meth. Um, But yeah, it's, I still, it, I still think it's important to test everything for fentanyl because the it's it's worth it the test strips are literally two dollars each and that's and and you can get them for free at a lot of places like if you have a harm reduction um organization in your area a lot of the times they will give them out for free i know that um where i live the department of health gives them out for free so um you know they're very accessible and they're they're cheap and easy to use and it's just worth it. It, it it's literally your life. And I, so I just two dollars for peace of mind. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. I mean I agree with the regular testing, let alone this. So that's something new mm-hmm. I didn't even know about was that you could test for fentanyl. I would have just assumed it was in a reagent or test kit, something like that. So so that's uh, that brings up a good point and sort of a problem that I've been seeing with a lot of test kit distributors is that they will list fentanyl as something that you can test for on their, like in their color chart. And in reality, like, yes, you, you could test for fentanyl with a reagent test kit. Um, but like I said, such a small dose is needed to fatally overdose. Most of the time it's not going to show up there. So it's not even, it's not even worth listing it in the color chart. At least, and at least if you're going to do that, put a warning that, like that, you know, fentanyl, you know, it, you, such a small dose is is needed to potentially overdose. Um, I just I feel like that gives people a false sense of security because if they if they get like one reaction, they're going to be like, oh cool, like this didn't react for fentanyl, so I'm cool. I don't I don't need to 
use fentanyl test strips. And that's just not the case at all. Right. No, it makes sense. Yeah. I guess it's interesting. I would have never thought about that. And it's, it's like a very gray area because they're like, oh, yeah, we're testing for it. But then you're like, what you're saying, it's like, okay, hypothetically you are, but mm-hmm. reality you're not. And, and yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very gray area there. I, I don't. <laughs> so like if, if all I'm saying is like, if you're going to put that on your color chart, have a huge warning that like, you know, what I, what I just said yeah. in, no, in yeah, better absolutely. words. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Are are there any new policies or anything coming out that are looking to address these issues uh, that you might know that maybe we don't, that you can shed some light on? So the landscape of uh, the legality of testing kits is changing. Um, backing up a little bit, test kits, including reagent test kits and fentanyl test strips, are illegal and considered drug paraphernalia in many states, majority of the states. Interesting. Um, Federally, they are legal, but on a state-by-state basis, um, I think there's only like 16 states where they're actually legal. Um, Now, I think with the opioid overdose epidemic, people are starting to come around and realize that these testing materials are a public health tool um, and they are a necessary public health tool. So they are needed and they're not drug paraphernalia. They're, it's like there are health departments giving these things out. Um, so I am seeing different states coming around to um, – removing the language in their drug paraphernalia clauses that discuss like it'll say like testing analyzing something something um so a lot of people a lot of states are like kind of like scrapping that language and taking it out um i was involved with a i was involved with a couple of campaigns to get test kits legalized statewide uh nationwide and in my state um, and so I've sort of been on the, the back end of this initiative and, um, I'm really, I'm excited to see some of these states starting to legalize or, or decriminalize these materials because they're just, they're so, it's so important. What is the pushback from the other side that is not wanting them to be legal or not wanting to allow them at events? What, what, what? What is the pushback? I mean, I can't think of a logical reason why. Stigma. Period. So I, I, I just think it's stigma. In, in a sense that if we legalize these, we're endorsing the use of drugs? That or that it's like a slippery slope to until we start legalizing drugs. You know, I, it, you can't ra- ration with the irrational, you know, you know, I, I mean, I guess, I guess that's an opinion that I have that these are, these are necessary public health tools, but I just think it's, it's irrational to have them be considered drug paraphernalia when they're literally saving people's lives. And I just think that a huge reason for that is stigma, stigma against people who use, who, who use drugs. It's, it's like they have a very old view and a very, um, not old, but stubborn viewpoint. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're like almost 
willing to ignore that people are using these with or without the test kits. They're, they're mm -hmm. kind of, whoever it is, you know, I'm not, whatever side it is that's arguing we shouldn't have test kits is just flat out ignoring the fact that these people are going to do it with or without the test kits. So the argument is why not do them when we know they're safe versus when we know they're not safe. I mean, I, I get it. I think it's, a, I think it's a fairly logical argument. Like we just said, people are going to do these, these drugs, you know, whether they're legal or illegal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let, we're not saying they should do them, but let's at least make it to where they know it won't kill them. <laughs> yeah. And we have decades of evidence that, you know, if, if the war on drugs was going to, if drugs were going to, or if, if us fighting against the drugs, we're going to win. The drugs won the war on drugs. Let's just put it at that. Like, Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, I think we all knew that. <laughs> yeah. And so, and this has been, it's been going on for decades. And I, I think it, it probably got even worse once they really started to crack down on these things. And um, I know that with like alcohol prohibition, for example, like alcohol use and, and addiction went down after all of that. So, and, and if you look at like Portugal, they've decriminalized all drugs there and their, um, their ODs and addiction rate have gone down. Um, so like we, we know that like people are going to use drugs regardless, but it's about being compassionate and like giving people the resources that they resources and education that they need to, to help themselves because using drugs is not a one-way ticket to OD and addiction. We know that. So we just need to help people and give them the resources so that they hopefully don't get addicted or hopefully don't OD. And that, you know, that's not only things that have to do with drugs, but it's also like, like mental health and, um, you know, making sure people aren't in poverty and homeless and like all, like, you know, all these systemic things go into it. So it's a much larger problem. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. Like we know that people are going to use drugs regardless. So um, why not just, you know, help them not die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I do think maybe the other pushback is the state itself doesn't want to be, you know, the ones to administer it. But if they looked at it from a purely like we'll, you know, they legalize it and the businesses make their kits and their test kits. And that's how we distribute it. We don't, mm -hmm. some health organizations might, some might not, but I know that's, that seems to be always the biggest pushback with any type of uh, policy that's more progressive, let's say, is that they don't want the state shouldn't have to pay for it, you know? Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have to pay for the decision people want to make. If, the, if people want to take the drugs, they should also be able to pay for the test kits type of thing. Mm -hmm. you know? And, I, and I, I see that argument, but the idea of making it just illegal for that reason, I don't understand. But I, yeah. I do agree with the sense of if you're going to do it, you should also be able to pay for the kit you want to mm -hmm. make sure you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, so. and I, I don't think that, I mean, I think that it is like a like a city to city decision whether, or a state to state decision, whether they're paying for these things. I know a lot of cities are paying for uh, fentanyl test strips. I've never heard of any city paying for reagent test kits. A lot of health departments don't even know like don't even know what they are like there, there's that, that and that's a big issue is that a lot of um 
these public health officials aren't even aware of reagent test kits. So it's funny because like in, in the, in the rave scene, most people know about reagent test kits and don't know about fentanyl test strips. And then like in the real world, it's actually the opposite. Um, A lot of people know about fentanyl test strips, but don't know about reagent test kits. So I do a lot of educating people um, like in health departments about reagent test kits. Um, When we, we're discussing the policy. Was that regarding fentanyl test strips or reagents both. or both? Okay, both. both. That's what I thought. I just want to yep. make sure we're on the same. All of a sudden, Donna, maybe we didn't clarify, but okay, cool. Yeah, cool. both. Um, because the language is very general. It just says like testing mm-hmm. and analyzing. Um, some states, be- because of the overdose epidemic, are introducing introducing legislation that only legalizes fentanyl test strips and not reagent test kits. And I think that part of that is just lack of awareness. Um, And the other part of that, I think, is just because I think, you know, the overdose epidemic is, it's an epidemic right now. So um, people are just more aware of it and it's a bigger issue. So, um, you know, they're gonna do the thing I, th- I think it's also a acceptability thing. So maybe they're trying to do the thing that um, they think most people can get behind. Um, right. I feel like if, if you know, these people oh, yeah, are going. That's a big thing in our politics today. <laughs> They'll do yes. whatever they can do to get behind the vote. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's important. And that, that is a public policy strategy. Um, I know like in some states with this legislation, they're almost using that as like, their Trojan horse to like get reagent test kits legalized. Um, so it's sort of just like, uh, um, I think that what they call incrementalism. So they're just sort of like building on like policy by policy until they get what they want, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely makes sense. It's always interesting the politics behind stuff like this to me, just in general. I mean, with anything, it's there's always some pieces in the background moving to help. You know, it's always interesting to me in that sense. Um, odd question, but someone was bringing this up to me the other day. Is it possible to test your your LSD? Is that something people can test for? And if, yeah. what, what are they testing for in that sense? Because I, I truly don't know. It's not, not something I'm familiar with at all. So there's a couple of different tests for LSD. Um, the one that I use the most often is Ehrlich. And basically what you do, if you have a, if you have a blotter, you can just cut off a real tiny corner and, you know, the same way that you would with any kind of powder, it's just, you're taking a really small sample of it. You drop the chemical onto it and then, um, wait for it. You're, you're looking for it to turn purple. And what this says, if it turns purple is that it's not 2,5-I M-bomb, which is a potentially dangerous substance and has caused um, a lot of adverse reactions with people consuming it thinking that it is LSD. Um, So when it turns purple, that says, doesn't necessarily say that it's LSD. It actually just says that it's an indole. Um, So that could be psilocybin, DMT, I'm blanking on some other ones, but so they're, like they're, they're testing for it. Not and it says it's not the M bomb. What? It, yeah, two five I M bomb. Um, yeah, so two. I'm not familiar with that either. <laughs> it, it's it's some kind of new psychoactive substance. Um, I'm not. I I 
it has some psychedelic properties. I'm not like super familiar with it. All I know is that a lot of the times it is misrepresented as LSD. And, um, so, and it, it, it come, it can be on blotter. Um, so people take it and it's, um, it can be, it can, it can cause like an overdose or like some kind of like adverse medical reaction. Um, does it last the same time? Is it, does it cause a adverse mental reaction? I know with LSD, they're considered more of like a mental than a physical feeling, mm -hmm. right? I think, I think it can be, I think it can be both psychological and physical. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure though. Um, I've never like seen or like, um, you know, handled anyone that was having an adverse reaction to this. Um, I just know that know it's either. not, yeah, I know, just know that it's not good to get in place of <laughs> LSD. Like you don't want it. Um, so, so yeah, so the test rules out 2,5-IM bomb. Um, and you, besides like, there's, there's like a host of different research chemicals that are similar to LSD and would react, turn purple uh, with the Ehrlich reagent. Um, so there's another reagent that is apparently out there. I've never used it. It's called Hoffman. And this can apparently distinguish between those different uh, research chemicals. I, I think if, unless you were like a really experienced person who took LSD. I don't think you would really know the difference between any of these research chemicals, but some people like to know. Um, so if you're like, if you really want to know, there is that other option out there. Um, and then you would be able to, to distinguish between all of them. But with Ehrlich, um, it, like I said, it only tests for indoles, but other indoles are like like I said, psilocybin and DMT, but you really wouldn't, you wouldn't find those on a blotter. Like they're, they're not active at like the microgram level. So I, it just wouldn't be, it, you just wouldn't find it on a blotter. Um, so those are the two that you can use. Um, going back to the 2,5-I M-bomb discussion, the other way that you might be able to tell if that's what you have, um, we have a fun little rhyme. If it's bitter, it's a spitter. Um, so if you take acid and it has a really bitter metallic taste, like almost like a penny, spit it out because that could be 2,5-I M-bomb. LSD should not have a taste. There might be like the ink, if there's like ink on the blotter, that might have a very, very slight bitter taste. Um, and then also like if you're, if you have like a gel tab, um, sometimes those have kind of a little bit of a taste, but um this would, you would tell, you could tell, like, this is really bitter and metallic, so spit it out. It's funny, I like, I was writing down that saying, <laughs> if it's bitter, make it a spitter, is that what you said? If it's, if it's bitter, it's a spitter. It's a spitter. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Okay, you learn something new every day. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know. We have, a, <laughs> we have a lot of rhymes in harm reduction. Um, hydrate or dihydrate, uh, Start low, go slow. Uh, what are some? What are my other ones? Um, oh, test it before you ingest it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, are there any? Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, any nonprofits, for profits that people can you know look into that 
are doing good research and doing good and trying to get these test kits legalized and mm-hmm. or even at events trying to help out are there any of those that that you might know of that people can get behind if they feel so after listening to this lots so um the big one that i volunteer with is dancefe um they are a nationwide 501c nonprofit and they go around to music events all over the country and what they're most well known for is providing drug checking at these events so you can go up to their booth usually it's like a yellow canopy um so it's pretty easy to to spot it um and you go you can bring your drugs to their booth they have free um non-judgmental confidential drug checking so they have reagent test kits and fentanyl test strips at the booth and um they will test the drugs for you there and give you sort of their uh, assessment of what kind of drugs you might have um and they also provide lots of other health and safety services so you can go to them for free water and electrolytes um free condoms and sexual health and consent information um usually they have candy like all like all kinds of stuff pretty much yeah. sun, like sunscreen anything you can think of that could keep you healthy and safe at a music festival usually they have them at the dance safe booth so uh if you're at a festival go check them out um a really cool thing that they're also starting to do um i they were going to do it this past festival season but obviously couldn't because of covid but um they just bought two FTIR machines which will with reagent testing like i said you can only test for like the pre- most prevalent drug in the sample you cannot test for potency um or purity or be able to tell like quantity so like you can't say like oh this drug is like 50% mdma 50% meth or like whatever um with this machine you can though um you can they'll it'll be able to break down the chemical structure what i don't know i'm not a scientist but it basically tells you like how much of each drug and like what kinds of drugs are in the sample that you give them so it's really cool technology um it is it is really expensive and i think they're the first uh organization in the united states to be doing this kind of thing at festivals they already have it in in canada and the uk i believe but in the United States Dancefe is going to be the first uh organization to be doing that. So I'm really excited about this and I can't wait to like volunteer at a festival where this is going to be happening. I I'm I'm like so excited. Um so yeah, so check out Dancefe, donate to them. They are like all the money that Dancefe gets goes right back into helping the communities and they also forgot to mention they sell test kits. They're like I think they're one of the biggest te- they are one of the biggest test kit suppliers in the United States. Um and I find them to be really uh trustworthy and just you know, they're doing awesome stuff for the community. So check them out. Um and then another nonprofit is the Zendo Project. They are a psychedelic harm reduction organization psychedelic peer counseling so if you're having a difficult psychedelic experience uh you can go they have like a comfy like dome or like you know they have, they got like pillows and stuff um and you can go there 
and they, a, a trained peer will sit with you and sort of help you get through this difficult experience that you're, you're having. And it's not exclusive to if you're like actively in that state, you can mm-hmm. go if you're, if you've, if you had a difficult psychedelic experience and you're like, say you're like having trouble integrating back in, um, you can go there and sit with someone who's a trained volunteer and, um, you know, they will help you through that as well. Um, yeah, so those are, those are the two big, not like nightlife harm reduction nonprofits that I can think of. Um, and then for profit, there's bunk police. They also sell test kits. Um, usually you'll see them like roaming around the festival or like the campgrounds, um, offering to test people's drugs. Um, so yeah, so they're also a really good resource for test kits. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for all those. I'll make sure um, to get Dance Safe up in the bio so if people want to check them out, they can. Um, yeah. Honestly, this has been awesome. I've had a great time. We've done about an hour or, or so, I believe. Um, I don't have a timer over here on my end, but um, this has been awesome. I, I, I love this conversation. I think this is such an important conversation to have, and it was so informational. I mean, I learned a bunch of stuff today that I wasn't even, you know, expected. <laughs> or had any idea of. So um, awesome. thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed it. I hope you can come on again in the near future. Um, we can always talk about more and, and if there's anything new that comes up um, in this uh, in this world of the, <laughs> of the other side of drugs and keeping things safe and, and getting public policy passed. That's, that's something I would love to discuss more and, and have you on uh, again. So keep it up. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I, I love it all. Um, keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tell people where they can find you on TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, Party Safer with Jess on TikTok and Instagram and at Gmail if you feel like you want to email me for some reason. (laughs) And I'll I'll make sure to put it. Um, But my. (laughs) Oh, and I'm also going to plug. I just launched a website, PartySaferWithJess.com. I am. I started a blog. Um, uh, so I'm sort of going to be using that as a way to talk about the different health and safety features of the different festivals that I go to in hopes that I can sort of hold event producers accountable, um, so that they, they start to prioritize these things even more because I, I think it's so important. So, yeah. Awesome. And I'll make sure to plug your, um, socials into the description as well, just in case something happened with the audio or anything but thank you once again for coming on i I appreciate everything you do um and and all the knowledge you're passing on to everyday people like myself so thank you so much thank you